Hey friends, if you struggle to find time to read the Bible, or maybe like me, you do devotions in the morning, but then you could use a little more scripture in your day, I want to make sure you know about the Dwell Bible app. What makes Dwell so special is that they read the Bible to you, and you can choose from all different books of the Bible, different plans. They even have Dwell Daily, which is a daily devotional. And what really sets Dwell apart is that they have a variety of voices. You can have read the Bible to you. Over time, I've listened to Rosie the most. She is soft and relaxed and makes you feel like you're sitting by a fireside being read to. I also love Amber's voice. It's comforting and eloquent. So good. And then you can also choose what you want in the background, whether it's music or white noise. I love hearing the piano being played while I listen to the Bible being read to me. Pretty special. Dwell has something for everyone, men, women, and even children. So go over to dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson for your 25% discount. I know you're going to love it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Aloha and welcome to the 18th episode of the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, author of the book Boy Mom, which just released in August, blogger behind monicaswanson.com, and I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu in Hawaii, where my husband Dave and I are raising our boys. I'm so glad you're here, and if you're newer to this podcast, I just want to remind you to be sure to go back to the very first episode, the introduction, where I share a little more about me and how this podcast came to be. And we have been going over all the main topics from my book, Boy Mom, and today we are all the way to the second to last topic from the book. After we finish these, of course, there's so many other great boy mom topics that we're going to dive into. And here at the end, we've been hopping around a little bit, but today is a topic that many of you have been anxiously awaiting. We are going to be talking about boys, relationships, and dating. And I'm really excited because I got to interview Rhonda Stoppy, who's kind of an expert in this field. She's someone I really got to know through this interview. I admired her from a distance before, but it was so much fun getting to know her through talking to her. Rhonda has four grown children and she is just full of wisdom and experience. I felt like I was sitting down with a mentor and I think you're going to feel the same way. Now Rhonda and I do talk about boys and dating and all that but she shares so much more. She really shares uh, wisdom in marriage, in faith. It is just a packed interview and I think you're going to enjoy it. Like I always say, there's a whole lot more um, in the chapter of my book on boys and dating. And one of my favorite things is the end of chapter resource. So every chapter of the book has a free resource at the end of the chapter. And it also has a link that you can download whatever it is I'm giving you. So you might be able to print it out and use it. The particular resource at the end of this chapter is some questions to ask your son if he is thinking that he wants to start dating. I thought these were really good. I've had great feedback on them. So I hope you get your hands on that and use it when your son tells you he feels like he wants to start dating. So hope you get that. Um, and I'm going to keep this introduction a little bit shorter because this interview did go a bit long. I'm trying to keep these episodes well under an hour. And this one went a bit over an hour. And I couldn't find any way to cut it down because really there was just too much good stuff in there. So I do hope you can listen all the way to the end because right up to the end, Rhonda's just dropping wisdom nuggets left and right. So maybe you want to break it into a couple listening um, 
sessions, but however it works, do listen to the end. And there will always be show notes linking to all the places you can find Rhonda and her books and anything else we mention at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. So without further ado, I want to let you listen in as Rhonda and I talk about boys, relationships, dating, and a whole lot more. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Monica. I'm excited to be uh, in Hawaii with you. <laughs> exactly. That you know, we should we should make that happen. I think we should do a recording together because you come to Hawaii some, right? We're going to. My son just got stationed there, so we will be there soon. All right. We're going to have to meet in person. Well, I just have to say how thankful I am to have Rhonda Stoppy on with us today. Rhonda is somebody I had not met even online. I had only known of her and admired her from a distance. But when this topic came up, we are going through the topics from my book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. And for all, pretty much from the time I started planning this series, I was thinking, who am I going to have on to talk about chapter 12, which is called Young Love? And this is all about raising a son, um, dealing with relationships and dating and everything related to that. And I was just trying to think who who has been through this, who might have some wisdom, some experience. And I reached out to a few of my friends and both Wendy Speak and Christy Clover were like, you have to get Rhonda Stoppy on. You have to get Rhonda on. And so I was like, but I don't even know her. So I just reached out and Rhonda, thank you for saying yes and joining us. Thank you. I'm excited. New yes. friends are always the best. For sure. Well, I can't wait to hear. Um, I've been reading um, some of your writing and watching some stories that we'll direct people to online about your kids' love stories. So before we dive in and cover some important conversations here, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and your family so everyone out there kind of knows who we're talking to. My name is Rhonda Stoppy, and I am the No Regrets Woman because I help women build no regrets lives and break free from regrets that hold them back. Uh, I am the author, author of six books. My publisher is Harvest House. Some of my books include Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, uh, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths Wives Believe, Real Life Romance, and The Marriage Mentor, uh, Becoming the Couple You Long to Be, is the book my husband and I just uh, published in 2018 with Harvest House. I also have a book out for pastor's wives, and it's called I Sleep with the Pastor. So that's one. If you're a pastor's wife, we can chat later. Love it. <laughs> have four kids. Our yeah. oldest son did not come to our family till he was 15 years old and he uh, just turned 40. <laughs> mm. uh, and all my kids are married. My youngest, let's see, my next one is Meredith and she is a teacher. She's an ES for a charter school and graduated from the Masters University in Santa Clarita, California, where she met uh, her husband, Jake, who was going to seminary at Masters. And then my son, Brandon, was uh, graduated from California Baptist University. He married his love of his life, Jesse, and uh, he is a worship leader and a musician, and he uh, gets to do what his dream is. He leads worship at a church in Riverside uh, called what's it, the Grove Community Church in Riverside, California. Uh, he's toured with Matthew West and Casting Crowns and some other really cool uh, bands that he was their guitar tech for. And he played something called a band guitar and all kinds of fun stuff. But in the end, he has a heart for the local church and God has just blessed him with being a pastor, worship pastor in California. And then my baby, Kayla, 
<laughs> she is 29 and married her high school sweetheart, Estevan. They uh, grew up here. She went to a, there's an awesome one-year Bible program at Masters. If you're looking for your kid to just go one year and get a biblical certification, that's what Kayla did. It was fantastic. Uh, and then Stev and she were married when she was 20, and they actually are our high school, I'm sorry, our college ministry leaders. Stev is our college pastor, and he also works for a high-tech company and uh, works from home, and they all have kids. We have 10 grandbabies and another one on the way, so we will have 11 by the end of this year. Oh, my goodness. And in a separate episode, we're going to ask you how you can look so amazing for having you. <laughs> that is just crazy. Well, if you go on my social media and you see the birthday pictures I just posted of my uh, 78-year-old father, you'll understand. It's all genetics. <laughs> oh, blessed. Okay. Well, lucky woman. And what a family. I just, you must have such joy just seeing the fruit of your labors because these kids are all doing amazing things and they sound like they're happily married and have great families. We are blessed and we are humbled by that each of our children follow Christ. Steve's a pastor. You know, when uh, when he was a youth pastor for 18 years, he's been a senior pastor for 20. And when your husband's called to ministry, you look around and you see pastor's kids that rebel or pastor's kids that want nothing to do with the church. And that scared me, scared both mm -hmm. of us. And sure. we sought the Lord, oh, regularly for these kids, just to raise them for the Lord, not for our ministry or for people to look at them and say, why can't you be more like those kids? Mm -hmm. uh, we asked the church. I remember our, Steve's first Sunday here, and we're in California. He said, I work for you. My, my, my family does not. Mm -hmm. And if your children, if my children do something you don't approve of, come to me, not to them. <laughs> uh, you don't have the right to correct my children. I will do that. Right. And if they're wearing something you don't like, you come talk to me. <laughs> and, you know, my kids felt protected by their dad. Sure. And, and that meant a lot to them. And and I, I remember when Brandon was in probably junior high, maybe maybe freshman in high school. And a friend of his, we had planted a church in Austin, Texas, before we moved back to California. And one of his friends had started using drugs and the family sent that friend away to a boarding school. And so it really bothered Brandon the way it was handled. And he, he asked Steve, what would you do if, if I did that? And Steve said, son, I would quit my job. I would strap back on my tools. Steve was always in construction. Mm -hmm. I would take you with me to work every single day. And mm -hmm. I would leave your side until I walked you through this and we got you through on the other side following Christ. And Brandon teared up. And, oh, and Brandon, I'm tearing up. I know. And Brandon never had to test it, but he had to know that Steve knew his priority ministry was our family and our children, not the church. And I know some wow. people cringe at that. But the the reality is when our kids knew that they were more important to him than his reputation or how the church perceived him because of the way they acted, uh, it allowed them to just be kids. It allowed them to just trust that their dad had their back. And it, it's and our church has been amazing and precious and has celebrated all of our kids accomplishments and has prayed and cried with us when they've gone through trials and mm. We've just been able to be real. And I think that's yeah. if your pastor's family and you're listening, it's like there's just a, an importance to just being real with your congregation and with your kids. Oh, that is huge. That is super important stuff. I love it. Well done to you and your husband. And how many years did you say you've been married? 
We have been married uh, in October. It'll be 38 years. And wow. I was my high school sweetheart. Oh, my goodness. And your story is awesome. <laughs> it's pretty I loved reading your story. And we'll make sure to link to where everyone can read your story and your kids' stories, too. So, wow. Well, you are someone who's had a wealth of experience. And I'm so thankful that you could join us as we talk about this uh, heated, <laughs> this potentially challenging topic of relationships and dating as we raise our sons. And I know a lot of moms listening have little boys. And the thought of this might be terrifying or overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be, right, Rhonda? Well, it is terrifying and overwhelming. <laughs> And when you're in the middle of it, it's terrifying and overwhelming. But you know what? When we're weak, that's when he is strong. And that's when right. we decide we, we can't control this, we can't handle this, mm-hmm. we've got to be on our knees. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous mom accomplishes much. And the most valuable resource we have in guiding the hearts and minds of our sons and our daughters begins on our knees, begins being washed with the water of the word and asking God for wisdom and discernment to guide their hearts and their minds. And we can start even, let's talk about when they're little. When um, I just, I write for crosswalk.com and I just submitted an article. I think they just published it last week and it's called Something like, when's the best time to tell your kids about the birds and the bees? Mm -hmm. Uh, Put birds and bees, Rhonda Stoppy, it'll probably come up in the search. And I told a story in that article, and I I love this story. When my son Brandon, we lived in Texas, Brandon was in fifth grade, I think he was around nine or ten years old, and one day he asked me, Mom, what's sex? And I'm like, oh, let's <laughs> ask your dad. Because I, you know, had this unwritten agreement with Steve that I was going to talk to the girls and he was going to talk to the boys. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I kind of, you know, gave him an answer. And, and he said, no, Mom, I, I really want to know what it is. And uh-huh. I'm like, okay, where's your father? All right. So I rolled up my sleeves and I explained the physiological, what happens to a body of, you know, a husband and a wife. And when you're telling, you know, teaching your kids about sex, make sure you use the words husband and wife, not man and woman, just always husband and wife so that they have this underlying understanding that um, sex is a sign of a covenant between a husband and wife and that God ordained it for marriage. He came up with the idea and he blesses it within the bonds of marriage. So I explained, you know, everything that he would want to know about the how to, what if. And then I was pretty proud of myself. I think any junior high um, <laughs> teacher would have been, biology teacher would have been super proud of the way I explained it. And then he started asking questions about, well, why, you know, why would someone do this if it wasn't for procreation? You know, he didn't say it like that. He said, why is that teenage girl that's in the youth group that got pregnant Uh in school? Why did that happen? She shouldn't have done that if she didn't want to have a baby. So I was like, okay, we're going to talk about the pleasures of sexual intimacy. So as I, you know, began to explain to him how God puts, uh, in, in a husband and a wife, this longing to be together, but what happens when it, you know, the, the intimacy of it, the pleasure of it. But I said, what happens oftentimes is a girl starts to think if I just have sex with this boy, he's going to love me forever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give my body to him. And really God made women that for the most part, when we give our body to a man, it's because we really think he's going to be there for the rest of our lives. And we think this is, this is going to seal this intimacy. Yes. I told Brandon, sadly, there are men that 
take advantage of women who know that, that have this longing and they will, their goal is more to conquer a woman and they want to see if they can get her to go to bed with them. And then once they have, they kind of lose, lose interest and they move on to another girl, but that breaks her heart. And in the article I talked about, and I've done this, uh, I used to speak at youth camps on sexual purity. And I, I said, imagine if you had a pink and a blue heart and you glue those hearts together and then you know, as you're talking to your child, your teen, or whoever your youth group that you're talking to, you talk about how God brought sex so that we would become one, the two become one in marriage. And then after the glue has dried, you peel apart the blue and the pink heart. And then there's pieces of the blue on the pink and there's pieces of the pink on the blue. Mm -hmm. And so I described to Brandon, you know, when that happens, you're leaving parts of your heart on each other and your heart becomes fragmented. Yes. And so finally on the day that you get married to someone, you're not giving them your whole heart. You're giving them the pieces of a heart that you've given away to different people. And then there's regret. But I said, and sadly, there are men that take advantage of women and they will use them for sex and then they'll move on to the next one and the next one and the next one. And it leaves these girls with fragmented hearts. Oh yeah. Brent, my hope for you is that when you grow up, you won't be that kind of a man that you'll understand how God, you know, designed sex to knit the hearts together of a husband and wife for the rest of their lives and that you'll be a man of honor and you'll treat women with honor. Mm. So we had a talk. Then we went over to the the bedside and I said, do you want to pray? And he said, yeah, let's pray. And I, I had also mm. friend and there's a girl out there that you're going to marry one day. And you have to remember that on your wedding night, you want to be able to tell her, I saved myself for you. Mm -hmm. Or be regretful and say, I wish I would have saved myself for you. And I said, and you can pray for her that God will help her to save herself. So we knelt to pray and he's, you know, thanked the Lord and said, dear God, and help me to save myself for my wife one day and help my wife to not have sex with anyone and save herself for me. And then I'm going to cry. I cry every time I tell this part. Brandon said, and dear God, please help my sisters to remain pure and no boys to trick my sisters into having sex with them and help my sisters to be virgins when they get married. Oh, and my goodness, precious. Nine years old. Nine years old. Oh, my goodness. And I just love yeah. that he was so open to having this whole conversation with you. And he got it. He got it. And what I love is from a woman's perspective is the first understanding of what sex was. He got it from my perspective. Now, as soon as Steve came home, I said, Hey dad, we had that talk and he <laughs> left the room and who knows what those men talked about. I still right. don't know. But the, you were talking about earlier, like some moms in here, your kids are younger. You're not having to go through that yet. Start as, as they ask, ask questions, answer their questions. Yes. Um, I mean, there's, I just heard on the radio, I think it was the show Unshackled. I love that show. It's a dramatization of different people's stories. And this man was talking about when he was 10 years old, a neighbor boy showed him pornography. Mm. And from that day on, he was addicted to it. Ugh, and yeah. he was a Christian and he was trying to keep walking away from it and he couldn't. He got married, yeah. hoping that that would be the end of it. Oh. But of course, if you know anything about that addiction, it wasn't. This oh. man, I put a gun to my head twice to take oh. my because I could not stand myself. Oh. And he said, finally, I left a pornographic video out where I knew my wife would find it because I wanted her to sure. know and I wanted her to catch me. Yes. And since then, he has gotten help. Okay. Uh, and, and that's great. But the, the point of that story is kids are very, very young when they're being exposed to whether they're seeing pornography 
whether on the playground or in the neighborhood, and some little kid is telling what they saw. Sure. And so we can't be naive, even if you're homeschooling your kids, Mm -hmm. thinking you're keeping them from the big bad wolf, we cannot be naive. Someone is going to tell your children about sex. And if we're not the one that does it from a biblical worldview, Uh they're going to get it from the world's view. They're going to get gender confusion. They're (laughs) going to get all of the stuff that's trying to sneak in as normal. So we have the courage to have those conversations and not over their head, answer the questions that they ask. And sometimes you answer one and they walk away and like, Hey, they're not ready. That's all they need. Uh Yes. That's my nine-year-old right now. Okay. Mom enough. Gross. (laughs) 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 But you're right. And I've always said, I've written some blog posts and in the book as well, just say, this isn't the talk. It really needs to be an ongoing conversation. Bring it up as, as early as you feel comfortable. As soon as they start to even notice their privates, Mm -hmm. as soon as they start to blush or, or squirm when mom and dad kiss each other, then start talking about it and then continue those conversations as they grow up because I find that once it's out there then it's kind of like open game once you've said used some of the words some of the language of sex and sexuality then it's kind of like okay to go there again and I think they're more comfortable to bring up questions so Mm -hmm. oh I love that great great um, conversation to have with your kids love how you handled it and I also tell the moms that most of us do wish that the husbands would cover these things but I say there isn't one right person or one right way in my family I'm just the talker my husband's a doctor he's a man but I'm still the one that brings things up and talks most just because I'm the communicator in the family so don't wait around just open up the conversations as soon as you can. And, and even if you're not comfortable, just fake it. That's what I say anyway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think even what they watch on television and shows that they watch, you know, I remember when my, my daughter wanted to watch friends, you know, Mm -hmm. when we, when she was in high school and uh, it was the old reruns of it. And I, I remember sitting and watching some episodes with her and then saying, okay, what's wrong with the way they're living their life? What, sure. What are we seeing that the world is saying, this is normal, this casual sex, this, you know, treating someone like they matter and then, you know, you move on to somebody else. What, what does the Bible say about that? It's just Mm. really, it's, uh, we want to just put them in a bubble and say, just, I don't want you to know about any of that stuff. But the, the thing is, if we don't teach them to view the things that are coming at them and be able to discern yes. what does God's word say and not just like, well, what will make God happy and what will make God not happy with you? But it's right. like this loving father who is trying to guard and protect his children and their purity because he has so much better for them. Yes. What is this world? Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. So let's talk about what that worldly perspective that you just saw on this show that all your friends that you go to high school with are watching and it's telling them this is normal. What is that? What does the word say? And how can we walk through that to get God's perspective in your own life? Oh, I love it. That is so good. And yes, another reason to just teach kids to be critical thinkers and to know the word of God and to study it for themselves and sure to bring us questions, but to be discerning. I, I love all of that. So so then um, we need to have those conversations when they're young. And then when they get a little bit older, continue to have the conversations. But I 
confessed in my book that my boys have chosen not to date in high school and we didn't have rules. We had open conversations if anything came up, but part of it is probably just our lifestyle, where we live, our situation, the brothers all being so close and being busy with so many things, but they didn't date in high school. And I really wanted to talk to somebody here who could share some experience, especially positive experiences or maybe overcoming some challenges, because I know that listeners want to know for one, is it okay to, if their kids want to date? What should they do? Is there one rule, one way that's right? And then how they might navigate that. So Rhonda, I would love for you to just share from some of your experience with kids. I know even your own experience, maybe. I didn't have great experiences dating. I did date in high school and that the way I handled things is not how I would want my sons to. So share from your experience um, anything that you think might be encouraging to the listeners. Well, I think, first of all, my oldest son, Tony, who did not come to our family till he was 15 years old, I wanted to have conversations with him about sexual purity, about dating. He had dated before he had moved in with us. Uh, and there might be some people that are listening that has a stepson that mm -hmm. has freedom at mom's house that they don't have at your house. Sure. or. Uh, a adopted or foster child who's living in your home, or uh, maybe it's just some kids in your youth group that you mentor. Maybe it's your own son that you're kind of wanting to rethink the way that you've allowed them to live and do some things differently. But I knew if I sat Tony down at the table and said, look me in the eye, we're going to have a conversation that he would have listened because he was so grateful to have a home and to have a house to mm -hmm. home. Uh, he would have listened. But I don't know how much I would have broken through. And I know he wouldn't have talked. Mm. But, you know, when when our kids are little, they we communicate with our sons eye to eye. And we always sit down, look me in the eye. Don't look away. What did I say? Repeat it mm. back to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? OK, <gasps> you're on the same page. What's okay. the consequence if you do or don't? Blah, blah, blah. OK, good. But our men crave respect. So yes. when our sons hit that middle school age, they are turning into a man and they really start looking at mom as the threat to them being respected. We don't have a coming of age ritual in our culture. I wish we did. I yes. go sit on a rock, stab something, bring it half, <laughs> walk on hot coals. Exactly. Do a man. But we have the ritual. Don't be a mama's boy. So we either have kids that remain mama's boys well into their 40s and moms that are like homeschool and then the bubble think, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. But then your daughter-in-law hates you because one day right. <laughs> yes. oh, there's video God. games on your sofa and you can't get them out of the house. Yeah. But <laughs> what we have to realize is that men crave respect and we all know that God created them with that longing. So at some point, men communicate shoulder to shoulder more than eye to eye. You watch men, they talk. While they're playing basketball, they watch while, you know, when they have coffee, they sit next to each other and watch the crowd. Women yes. are face to face at the coffee uh -huh. shop. That is just how it is. So true. So Tony had a provisional license and we lived in Texas. So at 15, you could drive. <laughs> and he had a, a Jeep that he had bought and he would work on the Jeep at night. It was super hot in Austin. So he would be in the Jeep at night and his head down in the engine and there was a, it was a convertible. So I would go sit in the Jeep while he worked on the engine and we would talk mm. and we talked about his dream to be a fighter pilot, which he is. Uh, he grew up to be a, a fighter pilot in the air force. We talked about his desire to find a, a great wife. We talked about girls. We talked about 
his longing to go to A&M University, which he did. We talked about girls. We talked about how he wanted to be the kind of husband he saw Steve be to me. And then we definitely talked about girls. But the reality is... see a pattern there. (laughs) Yeah. The reality is he spilled his guts with his head down in the engine. Oh, I love that. About the things he was insecure about or the things that he you know, didn't know when he was younger or wasn't sure he wanted to trust the way that the biblical idea of, you know, finding a mate, Mm -hmm. uh, he spilled his guts with his head down in this engine. And so I think sometimes just knowing that we have to have those conversations in a way that they're going to talk with, with my son, Brandon, we live in on a ranch. We have an 80 acre ranch in the middle of nowhere. It's a 45 minute drive up a canyon road. And I've taught my kids to drive on this treacherous road and Brandon would drive it with his permit and we would be going up this mountain with cliff on one side, but shoulder to shoulder, we had 45 minutes of regular conversation. And honestly, there were times I didn't want to talk. I was tired and I was just like, oh, he asked a question. If I just avoid it, I don't have to. But knowing I want this kid to live in my home, knowing I always have time to listen and talk yes. Yes. and to peel out of him what's going on in his mind. Because I think sometimes when they say it out loud is when they even realize it's not appropriate thinking. Right. So, yeah. Right. So, you know, Brandon had girls that he liked and, and um, one girl that he liked that we were both, my husband and I just were like, okay, hmm, pray that away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony had a young woman that we were on our knees praying that that would not be a lifelong relationship. Uh, And, you know, you want to manipulate it. You want to control it. You want to say absolutely not. And in some instances, you do say absolutely not, but Uh you can't control their feelings. So we had to, uh, instead of saying, yeah, you can date and these are the parameters, it was like, we don't date, but you can hang out with friends. And if there's someone you're interested in, they can come up to the ranch with all the other friends, you know, when they would go to winter formal or whatever those things, you know, prom, that kind of stuff, they all rented a car and went together. They all came home together. Uh, so it was a way to let them spend time with someone in a kind of a dating environment, but we weren't naive enough to think that two kids with raging hormones could be trusted alone in a vehicle, yes. drive to and from a date, and to come home and sit out in the car and talk for an hour before they came in and not expect them to go farther than they meant to go in a makeout session. Right. So you had the conversations. How did how did they respond to the rules that you were setting? You know, uh, I think there were times that they they understood because you always want to give the why. And, you know, I know people like want to just say because I said so. But mm-hmm. you know what? God doesn't didn't do that with us. He gives sure. us the why. I know yes. the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. If you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with your whole heart, I will be found of you, declares the Lord. And then I'll set you free from your captivity. He walks us down the path of if you do this, this is where this will lead you. Sure. So I think it's constantly, you know, my book entitled Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. The goal is that moms, you're raising a man. Yes. And, and help them know you're raising a man. And honestly saying, I believe in the man I know you want to be. I believe yes. in the man you hope to be. And God has called me, if you're a single mom and if you're married, your, your father and I, to help you get there. And if you're a single mom, it doesn't mean their dad's not involved. I know in a lot of situations the dad is. But I also know a lot of single moms that are following the Lord and trying to mm-hmm. train their kids in a way that the fathers are dating on their own and having their own bad representation. Right. For their yes. kids. 
And, and I will say this, I have a best friend who's, that was her situation and she raised two amazing godly sons mm-hmm. and their father, when they were in visitation, he would let them watch R-rated movies. He would talk mm. to them about sex and dating in a way that dishonored the Lord. Ugh. They would come home to their mom, and their mom was a godly woman. She was careful not to slam their father, because I think we have to realize that kids are looking for their heroes, and they want their dad to be their hero. And if mom is regularly telling them what's wrong with dad, it's not going to draw them to mom. It's going to make them feel defensive for dad. Yes. Again, it's like, Lord, give me discernment. Give me wisdom. I was one of her prayer partners all the years her sons were were growing up and praying for the Lord to set a guard over their minds. And, you know, the boys just saw this woman who loved the Lord, who was washed with uh, the water of the word, with his truth, with his peace, yes, with his joy. And she earned the right to speak truth into their lives and to even be able to say, I understand what your father is saying, but I also want you to know that he doesn't honor the Lord with his life. And this is the promises that God has for you. And this is what God and both of her sons have grown up married godly women. They're raising their children to love and serve the Lord. And it's just been an amazing thing to watch. Then that's I always say old ladies know stuff. You want to make friends with old ladies. Yes. Titus two says, you know, the older women teach the younger how to love their husbands and their children. Right. Honestly, God knew that's the journey woman teaching the apprentice. Yes. And from our successes and from our failures. Uh, we can pour into the lives and minds and hearts of the moms that are raising the next generation, yes. but we have to make the time to do that. And you have to make the time to find godly mentors. So that's why that's right. I write the books I write is really, that's why even the marriage mentor is called the marriage mentor. Right. No, I love that. I just want to hang out with you. Like we're having a cup of coffee and tell you the things that women told me. Cause sure. I don't know about you, Monica, but wherever I speak, women are always telling me, I don't have any mentors in my life. Yes. And yes. will you be my mentor? It's like, okay, hang right. on. Right. <laughs> Well, and I was going to say, and I think that's what podcasts can be these days. And and I love to hear women say that they feel like they're meeting all these mentors through the people that I'm interviewing. So Rhonda, you're absolutely mentoring women right now as you share. And, um, and I love that story. I agree. I've, I've encouraged a lot of women by saying, even when you don't realize that your son's are taking note that over, if, if you can just continue to live out and speak out truths from God's word and live the kind of life you hope that they will model in time, they are watching, they are seeing it. And so your friend's example is so good. And that's just a huge encouragement. Um, so talk to me about what that group dating, because so, I mean, I guess you'd sort of say you had a rule. They, they weren't allowed to be alone with the opposite sex on a date, but they could hang out in groups. They could go to dances. Um, did any any, you, did one of your kids end up marrying their high school sweetheart? I think I remember. And we did have, it was a hard and fast rule that they couldn't just go date. And that they understood that we talked about before they were ever even old enough to date. Right. Uh, was and, there any pushback on that or did anyone try to oh, sneak yeah. it? Or was I, there... I, remember, I remember Meredith, our oldest, was really upset when Steve <laughs> go to this boy's house who had just recently come to the Lord. He was in our youth group in Texas and she really liked him and he liked her and she was going to public school and, you know, that's just dating and all of that is such a part of that, which, you know, you're kind of going against the culture when you're in that situation. And we were teaching our youth, you know, differently. So she wasn't an island. She wasn't the only one who was getting that teaching, but she just, we just want to go watch movies at his house and it's fine. His parents will be downstairs and (sighs) believers. And Steve said, you know what? No, you're not, you're not going to do that. And she said, I can handle it. And Steve Mm. said, which is exactly why we won't let you go because you're naive enough to think Think that you can handle it. it. 
And <laughs> if you were more mature, you would understand that the, you can't handle it. <laughs> handle it, yeah. So yeah, so my my youngest, um, Kayla, was. Uh, <laughs> it's such a cute story. And you can watch, if you go to my website, noregretswoman.com, you can click on videos of various couples from my book, Real Life Romance, telling their love stories. Yeah. And Kayla and Estevan tell their sweet love story on there. And it is just so precious. It is so precious. Isn't I watched so it. so cute? They're just... Yes. Everyone has to go watch. You'll be inspired. There's a, and watch it with your teens. Because yes. I feel like that's the goal. As I wrote this book, it's like, what a great resource Real Life Romance is to leave it on your coffee table, let your teenager read the, excuse me, these love stories that honor yes. Christ. God's more interested in writing their love stories than they are. And I think it's easy for them to get the impression that God is resistant to me ever falling in love unless I'm going to, you know, be a missionary and marry a Jim Elliott and go off. And, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, so Kayla and Steph's story, it's the cutest. So she was young and uh, Stevon, his, his family name is Steve. We call him Uncle Steve. So Stev was Brandon's best friend. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's the bro code. In fact, I think right. the chapter title in that in real life romance is breaking the bro code. I love it. Stevon just started really having feelings for this cute little blonde girl who happened to be his best friend's sister. And they're all hanging out at up, up at our ranch. And I mean, we would have paintball wars and, you know, make your house the place that your kids want to bring their friends. Absolutely. If you're yes. a clean freak, your kids aren't going to bring their friends home. Yes. Uh, if you are, you know, micromanaging everything they do, uh, they're probably going to not bring their friends home. So there's right. things you have to just sacrifice to say, I want my house to be the house that everybody comes and hangs out. So, Which mostly just requires having a lot of food. A lot <laughs> right. of food, yes. It doesn't have to be the coolest be house. You don't have to have all the fanciest stuff. Just have food and <laughs> and fun. We made hot dogs. And when we planted a church in, it was actually Lakeway, Texas, near Austin. We made hot dogs every Wednesday night because the kids would come after uh, football practice or cheerleading practice or whatever. And when we planted this church, we started with just a handful of teenagers. By the end of the summer, we had 200 teenagers oh coming to goodness. our every Wednesday night. And we made, Steve made hot dogs and we, he made over 10,000 hot dogs in one year <laughs> because if you feed them, they will come. They will come. And yeah. those kids came to the Lord and the magic of, of um, internet and social media is we watched them marrying godly spouses and raising their families in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yes. Even when some of their parents never came to Christ, it's been glorious. And we talked to them about dating and we talked, well, I'll get back to Kayla and Steph in a minute, but one of the things I'm talking about for girls with purity, you know, we lived on Lake Travis. So we water skied a lot. That was our, our ministry took place there and they'd invite their friends. And some people would be like, you need to make a rule. The girls can't wear a toothpaste bathing suit and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, you know what? These kids live in their bathing suits. It's called the uh -huh. third coast in Texas. It's kind of like Hawaii. And I'm sure you get the yes. same experience. You guys are always on the water and kids yes. are in swimsuits. So we just started talking and teaching about purity and what a woman's nudity or, or showing parts of her body, how it makes a guy just think impure thoughts toward her. And what was cool is watching these young guys that came to Christ that had been sexually active at one point, and they would take off their T-shirt in the boat and hand it to a girl and say, will you please put my shirt on because you're killing me. <laughs> they taught each other what purity looked like, sure. how to honor one another and not cause a weaker brother to stumble, and it was fresh. Yes. So oh. time out on that. Let's go back to Kayla and Esteban. Yes. So, so they were hanging out at our house and all of a sudden Steph's like, I have feelings for Kayla. And she's also the pastor's daughter. 
and uh, Brandon and Stev also were friends, good friends with Brandon's cousin, Adrian, who was the same age. Adrian's a boy. And the three of them were buddies. And now all of a sudden, one day, Stev goes into Steve's office. Steve's my husband. And he says, can I talk to you? And he pulled me into Steve's office with him. This is a church, so the pastor's office. And he's like, right. can I talk to you for a minute? And he wanted me in there because he wanted me in his corner. He's so cute. Uh-huh. And he says, I have feelings for your daughter. And Steve's like, my daughter, Meredith, he's like 22 years old. Why would you have feelings? He's no, not Meredith, Kayla. And how old was Kayla at this point? She was 14. Okay. That was wow. 15 and a half. Yeah. And, and Steve says, well, what do you want me to do about that? She's only 14. I'm not going to let you date my daughter. And he said, right. I understand that. I know that. I just want you to know I have feelings for oh, her. Goes, wow. What do you mean feelings? Like indigestion? Describe your <laughs> I'm like, I wanted to like put a stop to it. I'm like going to, you know, rescue poor Steb, but Steve, no like, just sit there and be quiet. I'm going to do this. And so Steb said, I said, Esteban, I said, you're liking Brandon, your best friend's sister, your other friend's cousin, and the pastor's daughter. Could you pick somebody else? This is... <laughs> And he said, I can't help it. I've tried not. I was going to gonna say, he probably was like, believe me, I, I wish. I, yeah. Aww. So Steve said, well, you can't date her. She's not allowed to date. And you can like her all you want, but you can't call her your girlfriend. And how does she feel about you? And, you know, he said, well, we like each other. And yeah. Steve said, well, you're not allowed to be boyfriend, girlfriend. Okay. That, yes, sir. That's fine. That's fine. And he went through the gauntlet, this kid, and and he he didn't call her his girlfriend, and they didn't hold hands, and they didn't do you know all the the arm around a girl, and he's yep. this high profile, really popular kid mm. at the who all the girls would have loved to have dated him. He's sure. adorable. He's got a smile that just like just captures your heart. Mm-hmm. And when Kayla was a sophomore in high school, we allowed her to go to public high school. She had been on independent study up until that point. And uh, we didn't let her go her freshman year because we said, you don't know who you are. You know, you got to wait till you know who you are and then we'll talk about it. So sophomore year, Steve said, I'm going to let you go. But if I hear that there's any public display of affection, if there's mm-hmm. any inappropriate interaction between you and Steve, Steve was a senior that year, uh, you're coming home. And, you know, we laid out a bunch of outlines and she was like, OK, OK, OK. So. They honored they honored Steve's wishes at school. And Steve would get out of class and catch her in between classes to walk her to the next class. And he'd have to run so he wouldn't be tardy. And the girls were like, who's this new blonde at school? And mm-hmm. how he's interested in you. And then when Kayla says, well, we're not allowed to call each other boyfriend and girlfriend. And we're not allowed to touch and hold hands. And he, we're, you know, you mean you haven't had sex with him? And she's like, no, 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 no. And they had this opportunity to share their faith. And and Steph was a fairly new believer, like his junior year of high school is when he kind of started really following the Lord. He had prayed to receive Christ in eighth grade, but had not surrendered to Christ really till he was about junior in high school. But their life shined for Christ. And then I remember one day I was in my, it was an old BMW convertible and Steph wanted to learn to drive a stick shift. And so I'm like, okay, get in, I'll take, I'll drive you home and I'll teach you how to drive this car. So Kayla jumped in the back. And I was picking him up from school. And as we're driving around town, a small town, uh, he said, can I ask you something? Why does Steve hate me? And I said, oh, you think he hates you? And he said, well, he never wants Kayla to be alone with me. And he doesn't want her to, me to call her my girlfriend. Why does he, why does he hate me? Mm. I said, oh, Stev. And again, we're shoulder to shoulder. We're driving sure. in the car. Yep. I said, Stev loves you. And I said, he's your pastor. He's so proud of you, the way that you are walking and following the Lord. And 
that year, his mom died suddenly. And, mm. you know, I always say how amazing to watch the young man who's going to end up being your son-in-law walk through the most trying experience wow. of his life and keep his eyes on Christ and use it to share his faith. That's his wow. step. Wow. So I said, he loves you. I said, but his goal is that you guys could potentially get married. And if you do, you're so young now, there's no way you're going to keep your hands off of each other and have sex before marriage. That's going to happen if we don't help you remain pure. Yeah. And and explaining this and, and moms that are listening, what we want to help our kids understand is this. When we're walking in the spirit, the Lord guides us, even in our dating but when we start having sex outside of marriage, that quenches the spirit in your life. Yes. And now your best bet for choosing a wife is your best bet. Mm-hmm. Your best you know, decision, if she's going to be a good mom for your kids or someone who's going to stay with you for the rest of her life or be a faithful, godly woman, isn't going to be led by the spirit because you're sinning and you're quenching the spirit in your yes. life by the way that you're being sexually involved and sexually involvement doesn't just mean don't do the thing. Don't go mm-hmm. all day. Right. Um, it's all of it is sex. All of it is, you know, from the foreplay that they want to say, that's just making out. No, that God created for the marriage bed to, for a husband and wife to enjoy that will give them a very satisfying sexual experience in the marriage bed. All of it is sex. And when I grew up in the, when did I grow up in the Mm seventies, you know, they basically it was just don't do it. So in my head, it's okay. Just don't do the thing that makes a baby. Got a lot of gray area up till the thing makes a baby. And of course, how many people that have worked with youth, you sit across the table from someone who that was their goals, don't have intercourse, Uh but they made out and they made out and their bodies were preparing for sex. And one day they crossed over a line they never meant to cross over because their bodies were doing what God designed it to do. And that was to prepare itself to have sex. So you have to have those conversations with your teens. It's not that we just don't want you to make out because God wouldn't like it. You will one day step over a line you never meant to step over. Mm. And so as I'm talking to Seven Kayla and explaining all these things, Kayla's sitting in the backseat with these big, huge blue eyes. <laughs> mama, no, mama, no, mama, no. What do you, I'm like, I love you guys. And I want you to understand we're for you. And I yes. would love to see you guys get married if that's what God has for you. But I don't want you to get married because of shame yes. or because you feel like, well, we've gone this far. The right thing to do is make it right by getting married now. And you never really know if you would have gotten married if you hadn't done that. Right. Our goal is to help you honor Christ in your relationship so that when you walk that aisle, you know this is led by the Lord and you can look each other in the eye without shame and know that in your marriage bed, Christ has been honored. Yes. Uh, those conversations, we have to have them. I was a 15 and a 14 year old. I love that. Well, and I, and I love that too, because I think that when we set those boundaries for them, it it actually relieves a pressure that they may not even realize they have on themselves because of what culture's doing, because of what their friends do. Even in the youth group circles, everybody knows what's going on. And if there isn't hard, fast boundaries, I think that it's just so easy to cross those. So I think just having those constant conversations, not like, okay, we said it once, we're going to hope for the best, but not being afraid to go there and have those conversations actually brings them a sense of relief and security. Because even what you said about not showing displays of affection at school, 
I think that actually probably brought your daughter, especially a real sense of peace because she didn't have to make the rule herself. Mom and dad made it for her. And I think that does bring them security. So I love that. So tell me from there. Now he had the conversation. Did that change how he felt about your husband's role? Did all that get better? And he's, he's a very transparent person. I adore my son-in-law. I love both of my sons-in-law. I have Jake as Meredith's husband, but again, we didn't meet Jake until Meredith was away at college. She brought him home to us. And that's a whole nother fun love story. You can watch that love story on my website. Also, I love that one too. (laughs) Watch Stev pull his shoulders back and say, okay, I understand. And he He needed to know. And I was appealing to the man he would become. And I was saying, Stev, If you're going to marry my daughter, I want you to be her protector. She needs you to be her protector. And right now, she needs you to protect her from you. She loves you and wants to give you whatever it is is going to make you love her more. Mm -hmm. And even though I know her goal is to remain sexually pure until marriage, you get to protect her and help her achieve that goal, that promise that she's made before the Lord. And if you're going to be a godly husband, that's what you get to start now is being her spiritual leader, even in this relationship. Mm. Uh, You know, talking to them like they're adults when it's easy to just go, no, because you can't handle it. No, because you're pregnant. You got college. You got a career. You you can't, you know, it's like, those are the consequences that we don't want them to experience. And sometimes we think if we scare them with consequences, then they won't go that route. It doesn't work. Kids go right. that route because they yes. all think it won't happen to me or I can handle it. Instead exactly. of really walking them through, even the spiritually discerning, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. And the, you're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness that wants to render you ineffective for the kingdom. Right. Wants to blind you to what mm-hmm. God's will is for your life. And then interestingly, when Steb's mom passed away his senior year of high school, uh, that was Kayla was a sophomore. So she graduated high school a couple years later. They were crazy about each other and mm-hmm. uh, had talked about getting married. And again, Steve and I were concerned. Okay. They went through a huge traumatic thing together and we didn't want them to be married because he had told his mom before she died, I'm going to marry Kayla, which he had, which is so precious. Mm-hmm. So him thinking, oh, I have to marry her because that's who I told my mom or she sure. won't see through the death of my mother. I need her. That's not a healthy way to yeah. be spending. The- and so, again, you're like, Lord, what do we do? So we asked Kayla and actually Steve Saturday. I know we're talking about sons, but. I, it, no, no, it's all. Yeah. This um, counts. So we asked Steve sat Kayla down and explained to her, this is our concern that you're going to end up married because of this trauma that you've walked through together. Uh, we want you to go away for one year. Masters has a Bible program, and it's funny because she was um, valedictorian at her high school. She's the smartest, ditziest blonde you'll ever meet, <laughs> and she was trying to get accepted to the Stanislaus University where Stev went and go to school there and be near him and take classes together, and I was like, I'm not going to help you do that. I'm not going to, because we had always asked our kids to at least do one year of Bible college before they went to any secular schools okay. just to get a real good biblical worldview, yep. and we said, if you can get scholarships, that's you can do that, but we're not going to help you do that. And so after she kept hitting a wall, we said, if you go to this one year at the master's uh, biblical degree, I can't remember what it's called, um, we will help you get accepted and we'll help you financially and all of that. Through tears and weeping, she said she would do it. And actually, I left Steve and her talk, just the two of them. And um, I come back and they had their agreement that she was going to do it for a year and she was going to take my 
Volkswagen diesel Jetta so she could come <laughs> home every weekend and see Stev. And I was like, uh, the full package agreement. <laughs> I love and it. She went and for a year and it was hard. They cried the day we didn't let Steve go with us to drop her off at college. And they cried in his driveway as they oh. said. And he thought he was losing her. He thought, you know, here's this adorable pastor's daughter. She's going to go find some, you sure. know, some guys. It's a risk. It's a risk. And he was thought this was it. And mm. she started learning and she started growing and the book she started reading and the things she started uh, talking to him on the phone about. And as they talked, he realized she was accelerating her spiritual growth while he was getting his degree in history in a secular university. He was not growing spiritually to be a leader for her. And at one point she said to him, Steph, I don't want to be married to these guys that know all about the Bible. I don't want that. I want you to be my know all about the Bible. (laughs) I want you to know all about the Bible so I can follow you trust you. And you know what he said to her? Again, he pulled his little shoulders back, his big shoulders back, excuse me, Steph. (laughs) And he said, I know what I need to do. And he started reading every book that she read. He started studying what she studied. Smart man. Yes. And he surpassed her spiritual growth to where now he is the college pastor at our church. He mentors one-on-one all these young men that meet with him. And he guides them in in their own spiritual walk and their purity and their dating relationships. Um, I love that story because... You could have, we could have said, you're not going to like each other. You're not going to date. You're not allowed. Stop liking him. And we wanted to say that. Believe At some point, I'm sure. Yes. Stop liking our daughter. Uh And Brandon was not happy. And we're like, dude, here's the thing. If he marries your sister, your brother-in-law is going to be your best friend for the rest of your life. There you go. At some point, it's cool. And they are best friends and it's awesome. I love that. Well, and I think what I'm hearing too, the theme in all of these different relationships and your kids is just how you and your husband were both so open to talk about things. You didn't have everything in such a box. You didn't say it has to look a certain way. You said, okay, we will live by biblical principles. We will live by the word of God, but that's going to look different in different situations. And I think that probably is why your kids continued to talk to you about things and be open with you. So I love that. It's a blessing and it's something that is hard earned. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, like I say, there's times in the car that you're just like, oh, just why did you say For that? Sure. I have, to have this conversation. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Brandon wanted to listen to secular music. Now, uh, my daughter, Meredith, would listen to, um, oh, I can't remember his name, Dave Matthews Band. It was her mm-hmm. favorite. She would listen to it in her Jeep as she drove around town or whatever. And when Brandon asked to listen to secular music, we had told him we didn't want him to. He was a musician. And Brandon's story is an amazing story. He had epilepsy when he was a kid. God made him into this amazing godly musician as a result of of him being heavily medicated. And it's a sweet story. And I'll tell it Mm. sometime. But we said, Brandon, God's made you a musician and he's made you a musician for him. Mm. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we let you feast on the secular music, number one, that's the music you're going to write. And number two, music affects you so deeply. The music, the secular music is all about instant gratification and love that's all about feelings and sex and in and out of different relationships. Mm-hmm. And and if we let you feast on that, that's the man you're going to become. Right. And we know the man you want to be. And until you realize that that will affect you, God's given us the position to help you discern that and to guard your heart and your mind. And Brandon exactly. said later, I wanted to be mad at you when you were telling me that. But, but it I'm, made sense. <laughs> I know, it's true. Yeah. And he got 
tight dog and drove the rest of the way home without saying a word. And I thought he was super mad at me. But in the but moment, he was thinking he was years later, he said, I knew you were right. And it was oh. there was nothing to argue with. It was. Yes, just, I, that is so often the case. And sometimes we have to wait to hear that from them later. But mm-hmm. I love that. And, and in the chapter of the book, too, I, I do talk about those things outside of, you know, it's not just the relationships or the friendships, but the music we listen to, like you mentioned, the TV shows that we allow kids to watch or the movies or the games. There are so many influences that shape, even from a young age, a child's perception of what dating, what sexuality should look like. And so I encourage parents to really be thinking of that, to be aware, to not um, not be naive to how many things will shape the attitude that they will have towards the opposite sex. I know, you know, there's been such the, the Me Too movement and so much out in um, the news about men who have fallen. And I say, you know, it didn't start that day that something happened. It, it started probably at a very young age, like you said, whether it's pornography or just that perverse mentality that grew from who knows, childhood potentially. And so I encourage always the, um, the, the husbands, the fathers to set a good example. I'm so grateful for my husband because he's just so self-controlled and, and, you know, doesn't have the wandering eye and he does not ever speak disrespectfully about women. And I think he set such a good example that my sons just see purity as what they want to rise up to in, in not just dating relationships, but just in how they talk about girls, how they look at girls. So I think that we need to be aware of all those influences. And especially for those moms that have young kids, just realize that what you have on, what kind of music you're playing and what is around the family, the influences you allow will help shape their worldview, which is going to help them make decisions one day. So, oh, this is so much good stuff. I could talk to you all day about this. And I just love that you get to tell the end of the story, which is that they're all happily married today, right? They are. And it's such a precious love story of each and every one of my kids. There's just nothing more amazing than watching the Lord knit the hearts and lives together of your children and then them following the Lord with their their marriage and in their family. Oh. It's funny, Steve and Kayla have three daughters now. And Steve says all the time to Steve, I cannot believe that you didn't punch me in the face when I came in and told you. <laughs> <laughs> like, dad of girls. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that fun to hear later? That is classic. Is. You know, we have to yes. touch on, you talked about opposite sex, but we cannot be naive to think that just because we're raising our kids in a Christian environment that our sons or daughters are not, some of them going to be attracted to the same sex attraction. Sure. And yes. it can be not even because they've looked at pornography that has been same sex. It can be just something that's in their bent. Mm-hmm. And we have to be aware of, you know, the Bible says raise up our child according to their bent. We have to know each of our children and then talk them through it. I know a woman whose son has a more feminine bent and she has for his life. He's an artist and he's he's just got those those character qualities that she said, if I were to let you go to a public school, mm-hmm. The guys, they would label you as gay and you would finally attract, you would pull yourself toward that community because you would feel like you wouldn't feel like a freak. You would feel celebrated if you just said, I must be gay because I have these qualities. And so this is where I'm going to find myself. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we have to be aware if you see those qualities in your child, one way or another to talk to them about it. You know, a daughter who only wants to dress like a guy, Mm -hmm. you are telling the world uh, I want to be, I want to be seduced by a woman. I mm-hmm. want to be thought of in this way. And I know that's not your thought, but let me walk you through how we can do this. Um, th- th- we all have a sinful bent. I, I w- recently shared the gospel with a woman who has 
my daughter went to high school with, and she has been a lesbian for her whole, ever since I've known her. And as we talked, she shared some experiences that she's had that brought her to this decision. And she looks like a guy. And, and as, as we talked, she said, I said, we were sharing the gospel and she, I said, what do you think Jesus thinks about your lifestyle? And she said, I think he hates it. And I said, do you think he hates you? And she said, yes. And I said, let's start there. Mm. Shared with her his, you know, love that he died for all sin. And we all have a sinful bent. And her sinful bent is toward that lifestyle. Uh, My sinful bent, if I'm going to be honest, is to get affirmation from men. If I wasn't a believer, if I had been left to myself, Mm -hmm. I would have slept around. Mm -hmm. I would have found my worth. I would have been the Samaritan woman. I know that about myself. Sure. That's who I am without Christ. But when I came to Christ and I repent of my sins, I hold out whatever sin so easily besets me, whatever sin is my, my, uh, where I could be comfortable, where I could see my bent. And I say that I'm exchanging this for Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, and and what if my husband looked at pornography, you would think he was a horrible pastor if he was looking at pornography. But what if that was his bent? Is it okay for me to say, well, he loves Jesus, but he still does this? No, that's his. And he, my husband does not look at pornography, praise the Lord. But I know that's just, there are a lot of people whose husbands deal with that. Uh, Anyway, explaining to her, this is your sin. And all of us have a sin that we want to cherish and hold on to. And it identifies us. But when we come to Christ, we have to say, I surrender that I turn from it. And I pursue Christ and my identity will be in my relationship with him. Interestingly, she did not surrender to Christ. And I accidentally just ran into her yesterday. So as we're talking, please pray that that word won't return void and that one day she'll bow her knee. Uh, Reality to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. It is such an important conversation, important today more than ever. So I appreciate that you mentioned that. And um, I know it's something very relevant to a lot of people out there. So thank you. Okay, well, this has been such a great conversation, and I think I'm going to have to have you back on to talk about this, but also other things that you have so much wisdom in. And of course, we'll link everyone to all the places they can find you, your love stories, your um, books you've written, and where you're speaking, all of the above. I'm going to ask you three quick questions, if you don't mind just taking an extra minute here, because I try to ask these at the end just for a fun way to wrap things up. That's fine. What I'll say is go to my website, noregretswoman.com. You can find the link to all those love story videos. There's also free links to videos of Steve and I talking through each chapter of The Marriage Mentor. Those are all free. Uh, And I uh, was recently interviewed by Dr. James Dobson for my mom's raising sons and focus on the family. Uh, It'll air. I'm not even sure the date. My mom's raising sons book will be aired recently, but my real life romance link should be on there, too. So good. Oh, that is awesome. We'll we'll be sure to include all of those links. Well, um, I am going to run through these really quick because we've taken a lot of time and I've loved all this. Um, but I'm going to wrap us up with three quick boy mom questions because I promise these. And first of all, Rhonda, I want to know from your experience raising boys and girls. So this question can apply to both. But I want to know a boy mom essential, something you've used around the house, something that you can't imagine living without that we can tell all the listeners about. Actually, I would have to say godly mentors, uh, Mm. older people that you just have to have in your life. You have to be able uh, to seek out. And that means if you're not a part of a church family, if you're just getting your information um, by what you're reading online or podcasts you're listening to, those are awesome. But we need to do real time FaceTime with people that know us and know our children and can discern, you know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the mouth, 
out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. So when I am talking about something I'm anxious about or worried about or upset or angry about, as I'm sharing that with a godly mentor, they're the one that gets to call me on it and say, hey, you're stuck in resentment there. Mm. Or you're sure. reaching your child for what people think of you. And that's right. one of the stories that I do tell. I had an older mentor that said that to me. Don't ever raise your children for what people think of you. You'll ruin your children. Yes. And I'm a people pleaser from way back. I'm a middle child. And that would I would have destroyed my kids, raising them for what people thought of me. So godly mentors, you have to go be a part of a church. Don't just show up and go home afterwards. Be in a ladies Bible study. I love that. Interact with older women. Really and good one. Mops is a good place. I speak at a lot of mops and they have mentors at mops. You get a table group with a mops leader and uh, your mentors at your table. That's a good place. If you just can't think of anywhere else to find a, a mentor, try a mops group. Definitely love that. Super good. Okay. And then second question, what is a food, a recipe, something that you knew would always make your boys happy? You can include daughters here too again, but what's a recipe or a meal that your family loved? Cereal and cereal <laughs> and more cereal. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner like at my house. <laughs> it's. I always told my husband, it's God's perfect food. It is fortified. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But here in Hawaii, it's expensive. We keep oh. like going on these missions to eliminate all cereal. We're like, we can't afford cereal. So we'll go like three weeks and then the kids are like, we're dying. We need cereal. So, so send cereal is basically what they want for Christmas. <laughs> oh, I love it. Wrap up a box of cereal. Is put a ribbon on it. Cereal? Maybe you could do it prime. Get it that way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, there's an idea. I haven't looked into that. I know. And now that I know that, my grandchildren that live there, I'm like, oh my goodness, that means Kelsey and William need cereal. Nana's they got do. <laughs> send those kids some cereal. Okay. Then this last, this third one's going to be easy for you. And we're just going to all have to go read your book. But I want to know how you and your husband kept love alive when the kids were all young and everywhere do you have any just a nugget a good piece of wisdom for the moms out there with little kids at their feet keeping the love alive you know first of all it's the way you're gonna your kid's security lies in the health of your marriage and mm -hmm. so we have to be careful not to make our kids our confidant when our spouse has done something to let us down I mean that's yeah. undermining that's actually gossiping about their dad to them that's not healthy for anybody and it certainly undermines your marriage Yes. Uh, but never underestimate the power of a wink and a smile, mm. dancing in the kitchen, uh, flirting across the room, giving a full on smooch to dad in the middle of whatever's going on. The kids Aww. all gag and go, oh, that's so gross. But yet I remember when my oldest daughter Meredith was at college and she was bringing that up to some of her friends. And they said, she says, doesn't that just gross you out when your parents do that? And they all said, my parents don't do that. Aww. And I think it gives our kids a security knowing mom and dad aren't going anywhere. Their marriage oh. stand the test of time. Mom loves Jesus more than she loves my dad. So she can just be in love with my dad. He doesn't have to make her feel valued for what Christ is supposed to do. Gives them security. And it's fun. LOL. The joy oh. part is your strength. Uh, Nehemiah 810. That's the, the marching orders that he gave was building the wall. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So laugh out loud enjoy each other. I could talk about that. I could talk about marriage all day, every day. So we could do that another day. <laughs> so good. I absolutely love that. And you know, the Bible calls us, you know, when Jesus said, they asked Jesus, what's the priority of life? The word is protos. 
he said that you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's your whole being. And then the second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. So what we have to be careful of is, quote, as good Christians, we say, <laughs> I've got to try harder to love my spouse more. What's missing is my love for God. If mm -hmm. I press in by being washed in the word, by seeking his face, by asking him to reveal his character to me through the pages of scripture so I can fall more and more in love with who he really is, not who I perceive him to be. Mm -hmm. The second part of that commandment to love my neighbor as myself, it's a natural outpouring of my love. Yes. For God. It's not something I have to try harder to do. God does it through me. It's a supernatural selfless agape love that comes as a result of my falling in love with my savior and my God. Mm. That's the piece we cannot miss because we want to say, okay, out of duty, I got to try to love my husband more. Or out of duty, I exactly. got to cover with love when he doesn't take out the garbage and it's my duty. And it'll never work that way. It'll no. never work that and way. And the kids won't want the marriage you have. You want to no. say, I want to have a marriage that my kids want to emulate. Exactly. Jesus said the student will become like his teacher, not like the teacher tells him to be. Uh -huh. The teacher yes. sees him. I mean, the student sees the teacher. I love so that. They're going to marry someone like their mom or they're going to become a wife or a, or a husband like what they've seen. Uh, Steve and I do premarital counseling. And one of the things we talk about is what is your family of origin? What's normal to you and what's normal to you? And now how are you going to create your own kind of normal that oh, Christ and creates a marriage that, that you'd you be happy, but your children will one day want to emulate? Oh, that is huge. I Love that. That is so, that's probably one of the biggest keys, right? If they mm -hmm. see something that is appealing to them, they're going to be more drawn to the same thing one day. That well, is our marriages that reflect Christ's love are the most powerful resource we have to share the gospel for evangelism. And it begins with our children. Our, why would our kids want to serve and know our God if it's just a bunch of religious ritual that doesn't bring us true joy and yes. doesn't really influence our families or our marriage relationships. Exactly. In the same way, if your neighbors see you're head over heels in love with your spouse and you've been married for however many years and you still are dancing in the kitchen, mm -hmm. you this opportunity to say, oh no, it's not because I'm such a good wife. I would have sucked the life out of my husband. I would have made him <laughs> love me in a way that made me feel valuable. And when he didn't, right. I found somebody else. But it's because of Christ in me, yes. the glory that my love for my husband can just be his love pouring out of me. And the same can be true for you in your marriage. Oh, so good. So we all need to run to Jesus and get more of him and, and love him more. And then the marriage will actually fall into place much more naturally. So Even good. Our spouse never measures up to our expectations. Yes, because they won't, as we won't either. Can I ask you to share one piece of wisdom if you are speaking to a much younger, fresher, newer, brand new mom, maybe Rhonda Stoppy, what would you um, tell yourself? The piece of wisdom kind of goes back to what I told you the mentor had said to me is you're not raising people for your children for what people think of you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just especially I didn't have social media. I was mom in the 1900s back in the olden days. <laughs> uh, so we didn't have to deal with social media oh. and everybody had their best foot, foot forward and their pictures of their Pinterest perfect meal they made in their house oh. and the little Etsy shop they have because they make dresses out of pillowcases and, <laughs> and all those wonderful things that we do. Um, I have perfect children. It's like when we raise our kids for what people think of us, that uh, might work until they hit about junior high. But when they hit junior high, uh -huh. people right. think is not pleasing. And when they realize this is not about what you think is best for them and their development, this is about your popularity or your acceptance among your peers, mm. it's peer pressure. 
It is. And you're succumbing to, uh, you put this peer pressure on yourself, you've imposed it upon yourself, but you're teaching your kids what's important is that. So then even when something goes wrong in your family, if there's something you need prayer for, you know, families in the church, they're like, don't, don't make that a prayer request. Don't tell anybody. This is our own personal thing. We don't want anybody to know about that. Uh, it's all a big secret. And then we're not living in a community with other believers that say, hey, I got your back and I'm going to believe the best about you. And I want you to pray for me and my family. Instead, you're living this secret and secrecy is Satan's got his fingerprints all over it. Yes. So not raising your kids for what people think of you, raising your kids to glorify God. When when God said, I created you for my glory, that's in Isaiah. He created us. Glory means to represent his character, to live in a way. You know, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That means live in a way that your light will shine so brightly, the character of your God, that it will be like a moth to the flame that God can entrust you to bring to you those that he's drawing to Christ, that you can share your faith. The problem is we become glory stealers, especially when we're raising our kids. Don't wear that to church. What will people think of me? You didn't do homework. What will your teacher think of me? Exactly. You talk during, you know, whatever was going on at church and now people are going to think your dad and I, blah, blah, blah. And Uh training our kids, I'm raising you for my glory, not for God's glory. So Uh That's idolatry. Are we willing to lay that at the foot of the cross and ask for forgiveness, repent of it? And if it's something that you've been familiar with, it might be a daily moment by moment. It might be going to your kids and repenting and asking them, hey, I realized I've been sinning against the Lord, trying to steal this glory for myself by the way I've raised you. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And by God's grace and his power, I'm going to gain victory over this all too familiar glory stealing. And I'm going to I'm going to honor the Lord in that. Uh, it's, it's being vulnerable. And you know, that's how the normal Christian life is lived. We are, God shows us our sin. We see it for what it is. We either keep doing it and rebel or we repent and we turn from it and we ask for accountability. We confess our sins to one another and we pursue the Lord and we get victory day by day, two steps forward, one step back. That's the real Christian life. And that's what we have to live in front of our kids because they're going to blow it and they have to know we're not trying to raise what to do when they blow it. Right. Trying to raise kids that know how to recover from their mistakes and they're going to see it in us and they'll know this is the way back to Christ. Oh, that is so important. I think that's a huge key, especially when they hit those teenage years. Be authentic in front of them. Own own your stuff. Um, repent mm-hmm. and and show them what it looks like to work that out. One of my favorite verses for raising my boys, one of my prayers is always Third John 1, 4 that says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And I look at your family and think, you must be living with such great joy. So I want to thank you. I know um, we're going to link to everywhere and you've mentioned your website. Where, anywhere else you want to share where people can find you if right now they want to just hop on their phones over to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Well, I'm on Instagram at Rhonda Stoppy and that's Rhonda with an H because my mom was a 17-year-old Beach Boys fan and that's how they spelled help me, Rhonda. <laughs> Uh, and it's Rhonda Stoppy like a stop sign. I, or you can go to my other, I have two Insta accounts, No Regrets Woman, because Rhonda Stoppy is hard to remember. Mm-hmm. And my Facebook uh, page is Rhonda Stoppy No Regrets Woman. And you can follow me there. I'm also Rhonda Stoppy on Twitter. Uh, all those fun places, anywhere you look for No Regrets Woman. I actually own the trademark for No Regrets Woman. So you can find that. Oh, that place excellent. And if so you go good. to crosswalk.com, there's a lot of articles that I write for them. If you just put my name in the search engine. 
Perfect. Oh, and we're going to just, there's, yes, I've loved everything I've found from you. You're a ton of fun. If people can hear you speak, I know you're hilarious and full of truth and wisdom. So Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us. I know we're all going to want you back, but just appreciate your time today. Anytime. It was a blessing. I enjoyed it very much. And I hope to see you in Hawaii soon. (laughs) God bless. Aloha. Aloha. Well, friends, I hope you are able to take some notes on that because as I've gone back and listened over a few times to Rhonda and my conversation, I'm just amazed at how much wisdom Rhonda can pack into just about everything she says. So I do hope you'll track her down, um, all of her books and her resources. Just go cruise around her website. You're going to find a whole lot. And of course, you'll find that as well as any other notes from our conversation over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I appreciate you being here and sticking with us to the very end. And I hope you'll tell your friends about this episode as well. Of course, these are all topics we'll come back to. We'll get more specific, diving in deeper on all the different um, things that interest you. And of course, just a reminder, if there is something specific you hope we cover, email me at aloha at monicaswanson.com. You can also, of course, leave a comment over at the show notes. I try to respond to every message and I take your requests into consideration for sure as I'm planning future guests and future topics. So I'm already looking forward to the Aloha Friday episode in just a few days. Hope to see you back here again. And until next time, aloha.